0: Welcome to Dear Runner Bod, the pod dedicated to helping you embrace your runner's body. I'm Serena Marie RD, a registered dietitian and body image coach who wants you to stop dieting and start fueling the athlete within. While I am a medical professional, the information on this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not meant to diagnose, treat, or cure. Now, let's start rewriting your body's story. This week, we are replaying an oldie, but a goodie, maybe the bestie. We are going to sit down with Sarah Hayes from Mindful Miles. This was, I think, episode four, way back when the podcast was a brand new baby. And I wanted to repeat this episode because the conversation is wildly transformational. I had so many people reach out to me after Sarah's episode was posted and tell me, holy cow, that's exactly the conversation I needed to hear. And I know a lot of us are kind of, you know, knees deep in half or full marathon training right now. And you actually may need a little bit of a refresh of how we're just running for fun. We're not Olympians and we need to not take trading so seriously. We need to really find a place where we're consistent in our efforts, but we're enjoying every step of the way. And how we get that enjoyment out of movement is going to look different for you depending on where you are in your relationship with movement. And that's okay. It might even look different depending on different seasons of life. And that's okay. So I'm really excited to reach episode with you with Sarah Hayes from Mindful Miles Movement. And if you're listening to today's episode and you're like feeling invigorated by the message, you're feeling ready to really step onto the starting line of your next race this November, this October, this December, and to feel like, holy moly, I belong here. Like I'm a runner. Look at me. I have a game plan. I know how I'm going to feel this race. I have been feeling my body like a runner bod, and I am just so proud of how far I've come. If you are ready to be that girl, I have something exciting to share with you. Eat Like an Athlete Bootcamp is open. We are accepting new registrants and we are starting September 25th. Eat Like an Athlete Bootcamp is a six-week program and during that time, we are going to be talking all things how to think about food like a sports dietitian. I'm going to be holding your hand and I'm going to be teaching you how to make over your breakfast, your lunch, your dinner, your snacks, so that you stay fuller longer, so that you have more energy to support your training. We're going to talk about what are you eating during and before and after your run? What are you doing for hydration? We are going to perfect it all together during Eat Like an Athlete Bootcamp. And as a podcast subscriber, you can get a 100 off registration. All you have to do is DM me the word unstoppable. If you DM me the word unstoppable, I'm going to give you a hundred dollar off coupon to register for eat like an athlete bootcamp. And then we're going to change your life this September. How does that sound? Sounds good. Coolio. I will see you later. My friends, make sure you DM me if you have any questions, if you want more information about eat like an athlete bootcamp and enjoy today's episode. I cannot wait for you to listen to today's episode of Dear Runner Bod. Today, I have my friend Sarah Hayes on the pod. Sarah is the founder and head coach of Mindful Miles, a wellness-focused company that prioritizes mindfulness habits, personal development, and intuitive movement. Sarah and the team at Mindful Miles use their knowledge and experience to promote the importance of body image advocacy and movement for mental health. Sarah believes that movement should be for enjoyment, not punishment, and is dedicated to teaching others how to develop that practice for themselves so that they can ditch diets and challenges and create a routine that will stay with them for life. We have Sarah of Mindful Miles on the pod and I am so excited to have you here Sarah.
1: Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here with you. I feel like for the past two years, we have been cheering each other on over text and DMs in each other's communities. And it's always so wonderful to be able to work with you.
0: Absolutely. So I kind of almost want to dive into how I stalked Sarah on Instagram (laughs) and made her be friends with me. And like Sarah just said, I think this was like two or three, I don't even know, like time is such a weird continuum nowadays, but like two or three years ago. And Sarah, when I saw your page, I just like loved everything about your relationship with movement. You were an intuitive eating friendly page, but also talking about running and your relationship with running and how it was very different from other running coaches, which are very like almost like structured um Relationship with movement, and I just would like love to hear a little bit about like your story. Like, how did you get to this evolved place where there's like intuitive movement? Like, tell us a little bit about how you arrived at this place.
1: Yeah, um, I would love to. So, a little bit of background. I have been. Oof, I guess you could say an athlete my whole life. I like say that with like a little bit of a cringe on my face because um so I'm the youngest of three. I grew up playing whatever sports my siblings played because my mom could not afford the time to take me to any other fields or practices or whatever. So Um, I played softball was like my sport growing up and I was really, really bad at it, but no one, like no one had the heart to tell me, um, which is fine. Um, but a coach like lovingly suggested, maybe you should try running. That's like the one thing you do and practice really well that nobody else does well. (laughs) He didn't say that, but this is me kind of years later being able to pull out the kindness.
0: (laughs) Wait, Sarah, I need to pause right there. The same thing happened to me. Like what? I was playing, yes, I, I had no idea. So I played lacrosse my freshman year of high school and my coach, Coach Ioni, literally pulled me aside and he was like, you never get tired. You are a runner. Like you need to quit lacrosse and join like track and cross country. So, so crazy. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt you, but that's nuts.
1: Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Okay, well then on another sidebar, if anyone else listening to this also is in the same story, please DM us and let us know. Maybe we'll have our own like little club. But yeah, I was a catcher and I remember we would have to run laps around the field. And I just was like, I don't want to take my gear off. So I would run around the field in my catching gear. And anyways, um, So I was new to sport that I was actually good at. um, And it wasn't natural. Like most people I started running and was just like, I don't understand why people do this like intentionally and like deliberately. And we're not chasing anything and what's going on. Um, And then I started to get conditioned, feel better and do well and enjoy the competitive spirit of racing and teammates and all of those things. So all that to say... I kind of went from this, like, not to be self-deprecating, but this like nobody in sport to somebody who was really good out of nowhere. So I was, um, and I get so shy and like anxious saying this, but I was one of the best runners in New Mexico, which is where I'm from. Um, and my family's not athletic and that was weird for us. And then, because of that, I was able to go to college. I, it, you know, I got a scholarship, and I'm the first in my family to go to college. So again, it was just like, all of this excitement quickly turned into a bit of pressure and like, well, now you have to perform to earn your meal, to earn your scholarship. And so, um, you know, uh, like most women, regardless of what your sport is, when I transitioned from those high school years into college years, I couldn't see it then. But that love for the sport was becoming a compulsive obsession. And it was turning into, um, not even over exercising, but like fear of doing anything but what was on the plan and, um, a super disordered relationship with eating. And it's funny because I'm like, I don't think I ever had an eating disorder. I think it was just really disordered eating, but like, it's kind of one and the same, like, you know, um. So I, um, yeah, I quickly, quickly learned once I graduated to step away from that. And I was super bitter for, for running and I didn't, I didn't really know what to do. I felt super lost and didn't, you know, it was kind of like this newfound freedom of like, I can eat whatever I want and I can lift weights or go to a yoga class or whatever. Um, and no one's going to tell me what to do and I'm lost. What was the question?
0: (laughs) Well, just like telling us about your relationship. But it sounds like so there was this like transition point after college where like, you weren't, you didn't have this like crazy structure. And so did you freak out? Did you love it? Was there like a period of time? It took you like, tell us about that transition
1: the relationship to get to intuitive movement and intuitive eating i think is where we were where i kind of got lost in the bio of who i am and how i got started yeah so i i fell off and was just like i don't know what to do here i also you know just graduated college i got a job i was trying to figure out like big girl stuff personal finances waking up on time to get to work things like that um and i took that break from running and i was really like sick for a long time like it was just like I like I had a cold, I had a few flu the flu is this allergies, is this like I could not figure out what was wrong with me. I just didn't feel like myself. And so one day I finally kind of got that itch to go run again. And I don't know if this is something you've ever felt, Serena, but it was like that fear of the thing that I love so much could destroy me again, but I really miss it and I don't know how to bring it back into my life without it becoming my entire life again. And so that's where I was just like, okay, let's set some ground rules on what that will be. And that was really the introduction to what I didn't know then was intuitive movement and intuitive eating.
0: Wow. I don't, I have like goosebumps right now. And, um, I feel like that's something like I'm still figuring out is like how to find this balance between when I fall in with running and it becoming this really like I don't want to say obsessive. I think I'm like really healed to a point where nothing will become obsessive, but just like, I think my self-talk can become like really on the verge of being really critical when I get really invested into a training plan. And, um, so I like really relate to this story. So, so basically you found intuitive movement as like a solution to being so hard on yourself when you were training.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so funny that you say like that obsessive mindset because I I just came off a marathon training cycle. I ran Chicago in October and I, I'm a very different person this time around. So again, a little bit more background. My son was born. No, uh, my son was born September, 2020, uh, 2021. And we're in 2022. Yeah. September, 2021, October was, uh, Chicago was October 2022. So I was postpartum, I was returning back to sport, all of these things. And this was the first time I worked with a coach, actually. Um, Guys, best experience, best investment ever. Like, as a coach, I finally got a coach. And I'm like, duh, this is why we do it. But back to what you said about that compulsive and wanting to be super invested in the sport, it was really hard for me because Being an intuitive eater, being an intuitive runner, we know what we should be doing, but sometimes we miss those boundaries of being unhealthy, to be honest. And so I had to have those hard conversations a lot with myself of, okay, so just because this weekday run is maybe three or four miles, and in a past marathon, you would run eight miles, doesn't mean we have to do that. You don't have to toe the line of what your body is capable of every single day. And it's hard though because I missed that that aspect of my life where I was showing up and getting all that I could out of myself. But it was really, oh, such a sad life because that's all I was. I was just a runner. And so we remember what the highlights were, running fast and let's be honest, liking the way our body looked and all of these things because it was so surface level. And we didn't want to look in deeper as to Well, why won't I go out with friends and why don't I want to do these things? So in being there and remembering the highlights, I forced myself to also remember the lowlights of you literally wouldn't even wear sandals. You would not eat a cookie unless it was Sunday after your long run or whatever the stupid rules were. And I had to bring myself back to you are a dynamic human being and you have other roles in your life that fulfill you and bring you joy.
0: Oh my God. Ah, All the goosebumps. So, so yes, like this is so beautiful. And I think, I think it's just so interesting how like our logical brain can know this, right? Like we've done the work. We understand that you're a dynamic evolved being. And yet at the same time, it can just feel really like activating to be like walking in those old footsteps, right? Of like the, the first, you know, three times I marathon trained, I was very disordered. And so it's weird to marathon train and to do it with this like healthy hat on. So, so Sarah, tell us like, what is intuitive movement? We've been like dancing around this. Like, what does that mean?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think this is something I ask myself and I have to answer for myself every day. And, you know, it's so funny because although I suspect with, with the audience of your podcast, they won't feel this way, but oftentimes people look at me like I'm this like, hippy dippy, like ethereal woman. That's just like, like, you know, I have some superpower that nobody else has. And like, I figured it out. And intuitive movement really is understanding where you are in your body and honoring the season of life that you're in. So we talk about this a lot in my mindful miles coaching practice. We talk about the fact that just like there are seasons in nature, we have seasons of life. Sometimes it's a year long. Sometimes we go through 12 seasons in one year. But we have to understand and acknowledge where we are in a current season and understand that we can't be in a running season 24-7. I think my whole life I struggled to identify as a runner because I was not, air quotes, consistent. To me, what a consistent runner was someone who ran four to seven days a week, 12 months a year. And I don't like running in the winter. I just don't. And so I don't do it. And because I don't do it, I would struggle to say, I'm a runner. You know, I see you smiling. Or you feel that way too? I'm
0: like, yes. Like, and I, again, like there's so much of this old story I've had because I, I mean, have you been, I've been running for like 22 years at this point. How long have you been running? Like similar? Know. Yeah. Similar. Yeah. Yeah. So like there's so many years of this, like really young, again, like this person who doesn't who wasn't evolved yet, right? Who hadn't done the the healing and the work. And so I have this narrative of like, you know, and in a real runner, like I had the yak tracks and I would wake up at four o'clock in the morning and like run in the ice and the snow. And you know, if you're listening to this and like that's your deal and you love that and it like is an adrenaline rush for you and you love like good for you. I'm not judging that decision. But for me it was done purely out of this like exactly what Sarah's saying. Like in order to be a runner, like be good enough of a runner, I had to prove my intensity level, like how hardcore I was. And so it just feels like really like wonderful and, and safe right now with my current relationship with running. But I totally can like hear myself at like 20 years old, like judging my current day self. And it's just so interesting to like have those two competing, like narratives in your mind and having to like heal you know the the, the inner child in you right the version of you so like Sarah how do you like in my mindful miles and your your running community is this like the work you're doing of like helping people to like heal that old narrative and like can you give us a little peek of how you do that
1: yeah so it really like it really depends on where you're at. And I know everybody says that, and that has a different meanings for different people. But for me and for my coaching practice, it really means like, how can I meet Serena where she's at? Why did she reach out to me and what's important to her? So before I talk to, before anyone becomes a Mindful Miles athlete, we have a coaching consult. This is the most important piece in my practice because we don't accept everyone into the program. And it sounds like super like scary and elitist, but it's because time is our most precious resource. If we're not a good fit, I don't want to waste your time and I don't want to waste my time. And so what we talk about is, so you come to me and you say, I have this goal of running a marathon. As your coach, I say, that's great. That's a step along the step along the way for me. My goal is if running is truly your thing, my goal is for you to be running happy, healthy when you're 70, 80, 90. And so in order for us to get you there, all 50, whatever years from now, we need to make sure that what you are doing right now builds on your foundation. Where are the cracks? Where do you need to heal? What are your beliefs? And how can we build up from there? So if you're like, if you come to me and you're just like, yeah, I have a great relationship with my body image, I'm not going to be like, well, break it down. We need to talk about it right now. But As runners, (laughs) we know that training cycles teach us something and we go through different shit with each training cycle. So as your coach, I'm really here as almost like a mindset coach to help you understand what your stories are. And that's really what intuitive movement is too, is it's like we said, identifying the season you're in. Are you ready to push? Are you ready to reset, relax, pause, whatever that is, identifying what your rules are. This is a big one, like you just talked about. Well, I have to run. Oh, God, what were some of my old rules? Like, couldn't be above, couldn't be slower than like nine or 10 minutes or something really stupid. And like, if it was less than three miles, it didn't count. Like, that was an old rule of mine. Who said that was a rule? I don't know. So, it's identifying your rules and then testing them and rewriting them. And so, intuitive movement, just like intuitive eating. Just like you know having an injury or dealing or healing from disordered behavior, it stays with us forever, and sometimes it goes dormant and sometimes it's ready to erupt, and we just get to constantly learn and grow and evolve with it.
0: That is like ugh, I love this so much, and I think what's really cool here is how you're almost like who is this for it's for somebody who's willing to set like external validation aside and really go deep and like really, you know, I'm kind of putting words in your mouth here, but like, that's what it sounds like this is for. Like, this isn't for somebody who's just like, I want to run a marathon so I can say I did it. It's somebody who really wants to like get to know themselves, like tap into like, why they're running, how to run to make them happy. And then do you ever have athletes that think they want to run a marathon and then they fall in love with like the 5k or they realize they hate racing or like have those aha moments that they were running the marathon to like have Instagram posts, but they don't actually want to run the marathon. Like any of those powerful yeah, aha moments? Yeah. yeah, very
1: often. So that's, and again, it's a qualifying question that I really ask you to to go through and if, if you've come to me and said, I want to run a marathon, like nine times out of 10, you've already signed up for it. And that's fine. I think it's running a marathon is a great experience for us to go through because it helps you identify what you do and don't like. But what I hate is women that get this idea in their head that they have to run a marathon to be considered a runner, to finally be one of us. And again, I use that with air quotes because it's so ridiculous. And I've ran. I've not. I've ran two marathons, so not as many as you, Serena. And um, I don't know. I don't know if I'll run another one. To be honest, like I just be cute, and that was really cool. Will I run Boston next year? I don't know. And to be able to give myself that space and freedom to say, I think I'll run one again, but I don't know if that's next year or in twenty years is really special. So yes, we've. I've worked with a lot of people that get to the end of the marathon training cycle, and they're like, I don't think I want to do that again. And that's great. And we celebrate that because that's a level of self-awareness that you need to have. And I've also worked with women that, you know, come to me and they're like, I just want to be cute. Like, and that's Boston qualify. Um, and I'm like, okay, great. Let's get there. But if you're reaching out to me, it's not because you want to run coach. It's because there's something deeper that we're going to work on together. And so um, it's it's a lot of fun to see what that is. Sometimes it's dealing with the anxiety around like speed work and track workouts or going longer distance. Sometimes it's just being able to believe in yourself and have confidence because your whole life you had coaches that really told you that you'd never amount to anything. Um, so it's, it's really special what we find along the way and the the healing journey that I get to be a part of.
0: Yeah and you know this was actually like one of the questions I had written down um, to ask you, Sarah so it's really interesting you just mentioned like some people will sign up with the intention of like running that that really speedy time and I think this this makes so much sense to me as a dietitian working in intuitive eating where people assume intuitive eating means eat when you're hungry, you don't eat when you're not hungry and you know you eat whatever it is you want, and you don't check in with your body at all, right? Like there's all, it's kind of like a misnomer. And so I think this is like really, um, just like a really excellent learning experience for me, realizing that intuitive movement isn't just you run when you want, you don't run when you don't want, but it's really more so this powerful, like way of almost reorienting, reorienting your relationship with movement so that you can start to realize like which of those rules are serving you, which of those rules are burning, Which of those rules are helping you and kind of putting that within the confines of like defining a goal that actually feels good for you. And for some people that might be running a BQ, like that's a really incredible accomplishment and like really, really cool to say you've done that. But for some people that might be never racing again. And that's also like, I mean, especially coming from our background, like just from hearing our story, like. For me to meet somebody who says, you know, I don't race, I just run for fun, like that always like really like hits me in the heart. And I'm like, dang, like you go girl, like you just do what makes you feel good in your body. Like I am celebrating that just as hard as I celebrate a BQ. So that's so cool that you can use intuitive movement to even like fuel those, those really competitive running goals. You really can. And I mean,
1: it's it's funny because I am that runner that doesn't race. It's, it's a part of me that I'm still healing. So I get really anxious around races. So like, yeah, when I show up and the gun goes off, that's really fun. But like the night before, getting ready, getting dressed, warming up, all of those things, it's really hard for me. And so it's not, I run, oof one to three races a year, probably. So it's funny because when I entered the space as a running coach and women came to me and they're like, yeah, I run like three or four races a month. I was like, what, <laughs> what are you talking about? You know, and so, and, and that's not to say that that's like disordered or bad or anything. It can be, but it doesn't mean that it is. Everyone's got their own thing. Um. So yeah, it's really interesting that, that you mentioned that. And back to being able to train hard and be an intuitive runner it it, like you said it sounds kind of like what the hell are you talking about and this is where my relationship with running and with disordered habits has gotten tested because you have that fork in the road constantly of hey your body is very clearly signaling rest because we've identified what those signals are but your mind is telling you to keep going. So what's it going to be? And so although that, that season can be discomforting because you can't just put it on mute. like now, we, now that we know what we know, we can't go back. Those seasons are the most important and the most pivotal in our growth because they allow us to level up and look back at where we've been. With perspective and compassion. So, running the marathon—that is the most rigid my training cycle will ever be. Because let's be honest, you can't just wake up and decide what to do every day. Like you have to, you have to hit a certain amount of volume to be able to progress, to be able to show up to the race and run 26 miles, probably 27, because who runs the tangents um, without without injury, without burnout, without anything like that. But even then with myself, like this was a conversation I had with my coach. And this is a conversation I have with every single athlete, regardless of if they want to train for a distance or if they're just feeling out running, we have to leave room for magic. We have to leave room for rest. And so everything is a guideline. Three to five miles today, do what you need. If the paces, the the prescribed paces don't feel right, go based off of your feel. Go based off of a fun song that you love and just rip it for that for that amount of time. What I think is so interesting, and maybe this is just because my mind is coming off of a training cycle from a longer distance, but what I think is so interesting about training for races, specifically longer distances, is we know that there's many ways to train, but once we get started, we forget that and we get so zoned in on what the workouts are that we forget, okay, if this track out track workout doesn't work, you can go do a Peloton class. You can go do Orange Theory. You can do a different type of speed workout. You don't have to like. There are so there's a million ways to train for a marathon, and they can exclude the things that trigger you and the things that you don't like. But instead, we show up and we're like, no, this is just what I have to do.
0: And I feel like that's where like having that coach is so helpful because when you are zoned in or you're just using like. A plan you printed out off the internet and you have that triggering experience there's no one to bounce those ideas off of you of like oh hey serena why don't you guided peloton workout instead of going to the track if that's what's triggering you
1: Mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely and i think too is it's like this isn't like a massive advertisement like come work for mindful miles if this resonates with you yeah chat with me chat with serena But more than anything, if you are the type of person that uses like um, a lot of people like the Couch to 5k app or Hal Higdon, you are some one of those people that likes that or you like to look at plans ahead of time. That's fine. But when you look at them, like I said earlier, leave room for magic. Leave room for you to create the space for what you want it to be. If you're not feeling, you know, like running today. Okay, who said you have to run a certain amount of days a week? You can run two days a week if you want. You can do whatever you want. So again, identify your rules, challenge them, and rewrite them if you need to.
0: Okay, so we're leaving room for magic. And that has me wondering, Sarah, because I really resonated with this idea that like racing can be really triggering for you. And I have like a – I'm on a healing journey with that as well with my relationship with racing. So how how did having that rigidity, training for Chicago, like, did that heal you? Like, are you feeling more activated after that journey? Like, how did that land for you?
1: It was – it continues to be healing. I always say I'm, I'm healed and I am healing because, like, are, do we ever arrive at this state of, like, I have it figured out? Um, so, you know, it was – this past season taught me to just relax. Like honestly, if I, if I think about it, like if I look back to what my rules were, most of them are to keep me safe, like run before noon because it's hot on the East Coast in the summer, um, you know, eat well the night before, like do all these things. But I had to wake up and my, my son was breastfeeding at the time, so I had to pump. And that takes 30 minutes. So I would just sit there and I would pump and then I would have to do my pre warm up workouts, all of these things. And then I remember one night, um, we like on a whim went to get a babysitter. My husband and I went to go see a movie and we went out for Mexican food and margaritas. It was the night before the longest run of my entire training cycle. And I, at first I was like, I can't do this. I can't do this. And I said, you know what? Fuck it. I'm not here, I'm not, it's funny because it's like I did BQ, but I'm like, I'm not here to BQ, I'm not here, I'm here to celebrate myself and to do something hard. So when I came to those crossroad moments of, do you want to be a rigid runner or do you want to enjoy life? Sometimes you have to choose one or the other, but other times you can do both. And so I would say, okay, I want to sleep in. That means this run's going to be really hot. I'm going to need to take it easy or I'm going to need to cut it short. I want to go have margaritas and Mexican food with my husband. That means I might be hurting in the morning. I'm going to go into it right now and just be aware of it. And guess what? The run was great. And so it's for me, it was a lot of identifying those rules, challenging them, and then even like coming to triggering moments and working through those. So I remember. I mean, let's let's get real here. Um, when I was in high school, junior, senior year maybe, when I had a really bad relationship with food and I had no idea, the night before our state championship meet, I remember I waited until my mom fell asleep and then I snuck into the pantry, all the lights were off and I just was eating like cake icing, like binging icing. And in that moment, I was just like, I'm going to run horrible tomorrow and it's because of this. And so that, I I don't know what, like that stays with me so often. And so fast forward to the Chicago marathon the day before we're walking into our hotel room and I saw somebody had cinnamon rolls delivered. And I was just like, huh, that looks good. And I kept moving. I don't eat cinnamon rolls. And then it was like this little thing that like was chipped into my brain that I was like, I am, this was like my rebellious inner child coming out that was like, you need to eat that cinnamon roll right now. So I don't know, like from a dietitian's perspective, like I know there's carbs, but like maybe the extra sugars may like could have made me shit myself. Like, I don't know. You can weigh in on that part, Serena. But for me, it was just like, all right, I know we're not supposed to do new things on race day, but challenging this and being okay with it is more important to me than what could potentially happen. So I ordered a cinnamon roll and I ate it. I think I even had like a cupcake that day or something like that. And so it's like, and this is why it ties back into into intuitive eating because it's like, no, I didn't really want it, but something in me needed it. Something in me needed to challenge that and say, yeah, it's safe for you to eat these things. You can. And so that's kind of a couple of examples of where the like more rigid approach to training and intuitive movement and these like rules that we have and we have to identify came to fruition for me and how I had to test them and work through them and understand that although I am testing this rule that is in place to keep me safe, it could backfire and we could identify that it is a, it is, it still needs to be a rule.
0: This is like, wow. i I just I love those examples of how this training cycle was healing. And I also think it's really interesting because I think a lot of times when people think about healing their relationship with food and exercise, they assume it it means they're sacrificing like, um i guess I guess maybe this isn't exactly what your your goal was. But the fact is, you did have a really good race that day. And so, like, I just want to point out like, Sarah did this, like you in her child, like literally there's like little girl, Sarah binging the icing and then you ordering icing the day of your race. Or, you know, there's like little girl, Sarah, like not her friends and having a pasta party and then you going out for margaritas with your husband like you know like you're literally looking little girl Sarah in the eyes and saying like wait a second like we're gonna do this differently and we're gonna have a different experience because this is more aligned with like my values and my priorities and that is so healing and it's also really cool that you had a really strong race so like I just want to like throw that out there like don't let healing like about like a good performance a bad performance like we're gonna have good and bad days whether you do everything according to your like strict rules or not like that's just the name of the game like we can't predict what's gonna happen on race day and so I just love that like both those things happened for you Sarah and like even if you hadn't had a great performance like this still would have been a beautiful celeb like journey worthy of celebrating but like I don't know. I just want to throw that out there. Like, don't let that fear hold you back that you're not going to have like a good quote unquote race.
1: I think that's so true. And for me, it was not in the past. It was they were absolutely self-sabotage behaviors. But we need to remember that just like sports science and sports nutrition are important, so is the element of the mind-body connection. So I went in there this entire training cycle. And like, it's even it's a core pillar in my business. If I'm not having fun, we are not doing it. Life is too short to not be having fun. And so I went into the race determined to have fun. Yes, I felt like my fitness level was around a 330, which is a BQ. I ran, I have to look. It's okay. I ran a 323. That is beyond anything, anything that I felt like I could run. And I don't like sharing my times and my paces because I don't want you or anyone to compare themselves to me. But I think it's important to note that I ran seven minutes faster than what I thought I was capable of because I was determined to have fun. And so that is too, when your body and your mind can get on the same page, when you can do something because it just brings you joy, all you have to do is show up, get out of the way, and then let your body show you what it can do for you.
0: And like the first time you marathon trained, did you have a more disordered relationship with food and body, like the, your your first marathon training cycle? Definitely. Um I I didn't even know what
1: intuitive eating was. Like I I think honestly, Serena, I think you might have been the first person because I was Yeah, yeah. I mean this is a, this is going off on a tangent, but I was figuring out intuitive eating for myself and then I met you and I was like, "Intuitive eating, what's that?" and then I read it and I was like, Oh my god, I'm doing it. <laughs> um yeah, so my first marathon was like many people, I just signed up for a lottery. The lottery was Berlin. I said I vowed I would never run a marathon because in my beautiful ignorance, I was just like, why would I run a marathon? I would get way too hungry. Well, yeah, you don't you don't run the whole time and not eat. But I was just like, I'm never gonna do it. I would get too hungry. That sounds horrible. And then I I couldn't even tell you like, I didn't know what the marathon majors were at that time. I just saw something for Berlin. And I was like, I've never been to Berlin. I've never won a lottery. There's no chance this is going to happen. So let's let the gods decide. And then I got in and I was like, Oh my god, okay. I guess I have to figure out how to train for a marathon. At this point, I was newly returning to running i was working in tech like i i was not i run coach was not anywhere on my mind and so i yeah i had that very rigid um if i miss a run i'm going to be screwed and i missed a lot of long runs like when i compare the first marathon to the second i missed more workouts in the first one and had a worse experience then the second where I gave myself permission to miss workouts if I needed to, because the, the we'll say the Berlin and the Chicago mindset, the Berlin mindset was all or nothing. If I do not have time to run for an hour today, I cannot run at all. Whereas the Chicago mindset was, I don't have time to run for an hour, but I can give myself 20 minutes. So let's at least do that.
0: That's so funny. I literally was asking that question for that reason. Like I was wanted to know like which of those experiences were really more like successful and fun for you. And so that's so interesting that with that rigidity, I mean, I guess it makes sense, right? With that rigidity, it just, it wasn't as fulfilling of a cycle for all these different reasons, like your performance, but also just like your, your training, like literally you didn't show up for yourself. And and I'm not saying that with judgment because I've been there, done that. And I like totally understand when you're just doing it for the, like you're not doing it for the right reason. You're not doing it to fill up your cup. You're doing it to prove something or to be a runner or to post it on Strava. And it's just hard to show up for yourself when like that's your that's your rationale.
1: Um, well, have you have to acknowledge your season. Like, I, like, listen, I PR'd and that was awesome. And I don't want you to hear this and think like, oh, I'm an intuitive eater, but I lost all this weight and I'm an intuitive mover and I PR, like, yes, that can happen, but that is not why I didn't become an intuitive eater to lose weight. I didn't become an intuitive mover to PR. I did it because I was so sick of hating my body. And so being able to heal those parts of myself, let my inner child come out and I was able to have fun and I was able to play. And so that's what's important. I mean, Berlin, Sarah, Maxed at like 60 miles a week, I think. And Chicago, Sarah, didn't go over 40. Wow. Wow! So let the sports science people come in on that and the mind-body people come in on that. If you're having fun and doing the basics of what you need to be doing, you can do whatever the hell you want.
0: uh, This was like... The best discussion ever. And now I'm sure everyone listening understands why I stalk Sarah and forced her to be <laughs> friends with me. Now everyone's like nodding their head. They're like, yeah, I would have done the same thing as you, Serena. Um, okay, Sarah. So one last question here. Why do you love your body? Oh, my goodness.
1: I, I love my body because she's all that I've got through the days and the times when all I could do was tell myself and tell her what she wasn't. And I always say she and her because I view me and my body as if we're a team. It's no longer me and my body. It is we. But the days and the times that I told her that she wasn't, she her legs were too big, her nose was too big, her lips were too small, whatever it was, she was still there. I actually just recorded a, a audio run for the Mindful Monthly community on this, but She walked me into the hardest rooms I have ever been in. And at the end of all of this, all I'm going to have is me. So I will, I don't have to love my body every day, but I vow to never hate her again. And that feels special. And that feels like home. I love that
0: answer. So inspiring. People don't talk about why they love their body enough. So that was a really beautiful answer. Thank you, Sarah. Um, Thank you. Sarah, how can we find you? If people are listening to this and they're like, oh my God, I need more of this lady. Give it to me. How can they find you?
1: Yeah, come hang out. Um, I am on Instagram. Anyone that, any, any new people that join the page expect me to reach out and say hello. I love helping the community. I love getting to know you. You can find me on Instagram at I am Sarah Hates and you can find our community on Instagram at Mindful Miles Running.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Sarah, for your time. You bet thanks for listening to this week's episode of Dear Runner Bod. If you enjoyed what you heard, remember to subscribe and make sure you share today's episode. Also, if you're looking to download a free three-step guide to love your runner's bod, then head to Serenamarierd.com. Can't wait to chat with you next week.